Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Finally, it's game time. Welcome to episode 73 of the Rutgers Scout Cast, and you know what, by the time you're listening to this, maybe you're listening to it at your tailgate because it's game day. This episode drops as we prepare for Washington at Rutgers. Now, since I know most people don't listen to this the instant it drops, we'll talk about the Washington-Rutgers game, but it's not going to be the focus of this episode because, frankly, I bet 75% of you listen to it after the game. For all of our preview coverage, if you are listening to it before, go over to scarletreport.com. We have our season predictions. We have our weekly preview premium video. That was really hard to say. Anyway, we do that every week, breaking down the game. It's one of the favorite segments that we do on scarletreport.com. We have features, great read on Ross Douglas and his, what, he's playing, what, his 10th position since he committed to Michigan five, six years ago plenty of other preview content. It's all there. You can find it, scarletreport.com. The focus of this episode is actually going to end up being on recruiting. Shocking, right? We never talk about recruiting. So here's the deal. I have a couple of interviews from Rutgers Media Day that I think were really interesting, and now they're they're timely. That first interview is with Bill Bush, co-defensive coordinator, safeties coach, one of the many coaches that other programs tried to steal in the offseason season. He returns to Rutgers, and Bill Bush is killing it on the recruiting trail. You wonder why Rutgers is getting so many kids out of New York. Well, Bill Bush does a lot of that when you talk about the city kids. We're going to talk to Bill Bush about his secondary, about his second year at Rutgers, and we're going to talk a little recruiting philosophy. For context, this interview was recorded about a week after Ahmad Anderson committed, Bill Bush guy. So this is before Matthew Thomas committed, Bill Bush guy. And there's other New York area kids and some North Jersey kids that he's active in recruiting. So I thought it'd be great to hear from him. After that, my second media day interview is with strength and conditioning coach Kenny Parker. Just a quick conversation between the two of us, highlighting a couple kids, highlighting his philosophy. I think he's a guy that translates excellently to the audio format. So I'm happy to bring him to you. After our pair of guests this week, Scout National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan joins the show to do a little bit of season preview and a lot of recruiting. Then we've got a mailbag, and we'll close it out and get ready for kickoff. I'd like to send a quick thank you to everyone over on the Sideline Hustle podcast for their help in promoting last week's episode to Coach Drew Lieberman for coming on. Did very well in the downloads. I listened to the latest Sideline Hustle Friday as it dropped, and it's really interesting. I know for some people it's probably a little hard to keep up because there's a lot of voices that you're not familiar with. Well, I guess that's the advantage of me covering all these guys is it's easier for me, but I like their show. I hope other people liked it and liked the interview last week. One final thought before we jump into the interview section, first with Coach Bill Bush, then with Coach Kenny Parker. So there's a lot of loud noises about not releasing a rosters or not releasing depth charts or 
you know, all of the secrecy that goes into being a college football coach in 2017. And, you know, I just, I don't care. If you're a fan of a team, you find someone that knows what's going on with the team and you ask them. For me, Rutgers, they have a roster, thankfully. But if they didn't, I'd find someone to give me the roster. That's my job. I'm not going to complain or make fun of them. Every coach does things differently, and it's their job on the line at the end of the day. So while I'm more than willing to criticize Chris Ash or Jim Harbaugh or Greg Schiano or whomever for secrecy or for the way they handle things in front of the media, whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm not getting fired if they go 2-10. and 10. The coach is. So just let them do what they want. And what I'll say here, I said this last week with the depth chart, who cares? Just ask Sam Hellman. Go over to scarletreport.com, ask Sam Hellman what the depth chart is, and he'll tell you. Because he watches practice every week, so he pays attention. Now, I'm sure it's frustrating for some to not have, here's the official backup right guard, here's the official punter, and all that stuff. But if this is how it's going to be, fine. If you win games, that's all that matters. You win games, and you keep your kids out of trouble. Who cares how secretive you are? Anyway, that's just my little rant for the week. Here's Bill Bush. Hey, Bill, how, uh, how would you say your position group's coming along so far in camp? Well, I've been um, really happy with the retention of the older guys, uh, you know, with, uh, with Hampton and uh, with, uh, uh, with Kai Hester. Their retention and uh, just knowledge of the system has been, been great. Um, the person who's had a great camp is, is uh, K.J. Gray. He's really had a good camp. Uh, he missed a, a couple days here with just uh, had to get some things, uh, yeah, you know, small little, you know, just small little injuries normal to take place, stuff. normal camp stuff like that. So he didn't miss anything, but just didn't get quite as many reps. Had to back him down a little bit, but uh, he'll be back to full go here in a, probably in a day. And we anticipate, you know, a lot of great things out of him. Uh, been really happy at the corner spot, which again is, should be good because you know these guys played well last year uh, as far as what we asked them to do last year, and then you know we have three of them returning, so we really have three returning starters. Because I consider Damon Hayes a returning starter at that spot, so I've been I've been really happy with them. They practice hard. Really, there's never have to wind them up. They're you know they're so bought into how we practice, what we do. So that's been a big plus. In camp, how do you go about picking when you have so many talented freshmen you bring in? Like, okay, we want to try Tim Barrow at corner. Let's try Najee at safety. How do you go about deciding who starts where? Uh, some of it comes from just feedback and things that we get throughout the summer, you know, like that of having some knowledge of them, some things kind of what we know about them just through the recruiting process. And some of that stuff changes, you know, that's why, you know, Coach did a great job in bringing those young guys in two days early. So we had two days with those to get a chance to see those guys and see kind of where they fit and where they thought they would end up being. Then you just make an educated uh, decision off of, you know, kind of a group decision with uh, with all of us on defense and Coach Ash, obviously, and kind of be able to decide from there. That's kind of what, what you do with it. But we've, those young kids have been very, very happy with also. I remember talking to Tim Barrow a lot during his recruitment. Mm-hmm. He would always say, Coach Bush and, and uh, you know Coach Henry at the time really want me on DB and then Coach Jafar is fighting for me at receiver. Mm. How much do you, do you fight with Jafar for <laughs> for some of these guys? Uh, you know what? I mean, not really, not too much. Fight I mean, might but, not be yeah, the right yeah, word. Fight the right word at that. But there's always discussions on guys on where they could play it, and that's what you always want to have. You always want to recruit guys that played. You know, that's what was nice about uh, you know about Timmy is he played them both. It wasn't kind of like well maybe he can be a receiver. Well, he, he did it in high school at a high level, and he also played defense at a very high. 
that level. And so that's a big plus when those guys have that both those skill set. So that just comes down to kind of sometimes it needs. And the, the teams look at it and say, we, we're, we're shorter on this at this time. That's where we're at. And there's some guys in some position, that's just where they're going to be uh, from from the get-go. But it's always – and then the, the other thing, too, is anytime that you we always talk to a player, if anybody ever changes positions from offense to defense, uh, the first thing we do is we discuss it with them, see where they're, where they're, where they're at with it. And then, like we've always said, you never move a player unless you're planning on him. Uh, it, it's it's always a compliment to be moved uh, because that means that you're, that means we're trying to get you to play. It means you're talented when you play. You never move problems. Well, I mean, that happened with all your safeties yeah. to linebacker last year. Yeah, Those so are all kids a, that can yeah, play. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's what we did. Yep. Um, what Saquon Hampton's a guy that came in here and it was Coach Ash right away talked about how much he liked him. What does he have to do to get to the next step? Do you think? Well, you know, I mean, the first thing was, and it had nothing to do with his durability. You know, he, you know, he plays for you know three or four series and, and gets hurt right. last year, and so then he came back and he played through through. I mean, there's always about pain and injury. He had probably pain and injury and came back and played those last several games, which was you know so impressive by him. Uh, but for you know, for him, that's obviously just being on the field. Uh, he plays and practices extremely hard. He strains, and he's really strained. Uh, I use the term academically, which means he strains himself academically for the for football, for football knowledge. He really works hard at football knowledge. I think that's where he's improved the most from the time that I got here, as far as situational football, down and distance, what's happening, what's gonna what's gonna go on. I think he's able to play in advance a lot. Where I think last year, especially because he just didn't get a chance to play very much. He was always always playing, not, not a play behind, but it was just you know, within the defense. Instead of being like, situ- I mean, the great ones, you know, they understand, hey, this is what's going on. Here's the situation. This is what, you know, their offensive personnel tells me. This is what I've learned through film study. We're, we're last year, didn't get a chance to do all that. When you have a guy like Blesson <clears throat> on your team, where, how special of a player is he? Because you, obviously, with all the stops you've made, you've dealt with guys like <clears throat> his talent level before. What do you do to help him get the most out of his talent? Do you talk about the NFL yet? How do you approach a guy like Wes? Uh, I mean, we, we, we want selfish players. What I mean by that, we want selfish players that want to make plays, that want to be dominant, that want to do that. Uh, and so so we, we, we want someone to be have that kind of, a, hey, I want to make PBUs, I want to make plays. That's a good part right there. He does a great job staying within our scheme uh, with, with what we want from him. And like I said, with, with him is that, is that uh, the, the amount of, of uh, distance he puts in a day. I mean, they run a lot. Those corners run. It's ridiculous. And, uh, and so we always have to be able to monitor that. But he competes so hard, does it on special teams, does every phase that he does, does a really good job. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's never a time. We, we want we want to... We want to recruit and coach nothing but players that have a desire to be in the NFL and uh, and have the skill set to be in the NFL. I mean, that, we want that. And so for those dreams and stuff to have that right for us right there, sure, that's that's been discussed before. They've You do this, this, and this well, this is what's probably going to happen for you like that. So that, that's how we'll, we'll discuss with them. But, but nothing by – I mean, I couldn't be more impressed with him. How do you approach recruiting? What is your philosophy in building relationships? Because I think whatever you're doing – Right now, it seems to be working. I uh, just, you know, the, like you said that 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 is the you know, kind of old school way of, of things. Like that is just uh, is the relationship. Uh, it starts with the coaches first, obviously, uh, to be able to do that when you come into a new area and and, and different things. That that that's always the thing you always want to start with is having that relationship and, and to be able to, uh, uh, you know, it's and that's the one thing is to adapt. 
is that recruiting, um, when, it's, when I started in this profession, and what recruiting is like now, it's a lot different. It's a lot of other things going on uh, with recruiting as far I mean, as... you didn't have the, to deal with Twitter yeah, in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't have all those things right there. So, uh, But at the same time, it still comes down to relationships. It really does. It really comes down to relationships. And also be, uh, it also comes down to being very well educated on what you do uh, within the within uh, your program to sell it, and then also being extremely educated about what you have to sell about Rutgers, as far as all the the great things about it and how you can build a sell and how you build to get that done. And then, like I said, I'm fortunate to be in an area uh, in recruiting that's somewhat close to here geographically, so I get a chance to get kids on campus quite a bit for for unofficials. They come and visit, so that's very important, you know, for me to be able to have the chance to get those kids on campus. So I actually, which is fortunate, I get more face-to-face time with recruits, which nothing beats face-to-face time. When you go out in May, you can't talk to them. You can't, they'll see you at your practice or something like that, but you can't even talk to them. So, you know, do that. But so the time you have with them and that in the, in the, in the FaceTime and be able to have them on your campus is huge. So that's something that's always extremely important. I think if you're just consistent and you're a real person, you know, like that. There's sometimes you have to just say, "This is where this is how it is right now," or whatever it is. I think you'll always be be well respected. So it, it's a it's a constant battle, that's for sure. But you know, obviously, it's something I enjoy doing. Last question, totally off topic. You've lived here for about 18 months now. You got a favorite restaurant yet? I don't have a favorite restaurant yet. No. Yeah, don't don't have don't have a favorite restaurant uh, uh, for us right now. Oh, I tell you, about, if I did, I'd, I'd probably say uh, Stage House. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's if I was if I was gonna go to that. I like that I like that place. It has a little outdoor area right there. It's kind of got the uh, the Christmas lights or the white lights on the trees like that. So that'd be my my spot that I definitely like. All right, thanks, bro. I mean, appreciate it, bro. Appreciate yeah, thanks. It. Yep. Coach, how you enjoying uh, year two so far? You know what. I take it every day, a day at a time, baby steps. But, you know, we are heading in the right direction in a lot of ways. But the same process, never a finished product. You'll never be one. I don't care if you win it all or not, you are never a finished product. So that's how I look at it. I've talked to a lot of these guys, gotten to know them over the years, and they say they really look up to you off the field for advice. Is that something that's important to you to try and give kids guidance, not just, you know, how to lift weights, but the rest of what comes with football? Absolutely. Uh, I'm a firm believer in if the player doesn't feel like you have his best interest, then he's not going to go hard. That's really hard what we ask them to do. Like, football is a hard sport. It's a very demanding sport in a lot of ways. The really good ones over the years that have been really successful, they put in unbelievable amount of hours. they obsessed with it. So to ask a kid to be obsessed with a sport, <laughs> a sport like this, he's got to know that you have his best interest. So I stress that more than anything because I know if I don't, they're going to look at me like I have three heads and say no. How important is it for you to find kids and work with kids that love football? Um, you know, there's guys that play it because they're good at it, and then there's guys that love football. I think sometimes, you know, you'll find you know, a lot of kids that, you know, who absolutely, without a doubt, love ball. Then you got them kids who are on the fence. Sometimes they're on the fence because they haven't really been that successful. Then as time goes on, they get in the weight room or they get a little stronger, they get a little, gain a little more confidence, then they get on the field and they see success. Then that our strong light turns into a love. And so as much as you can, we try to get them and try to build as much confidence as we can into them so we make sure they do know what they want to do. Uh, I was talking to Coach Van Dyke, the basketball strength coach, a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Yeah, I like him a lot. I like him too, and he's saying – a good sign that your players are improving in the weight room is when they start walking around with their shirts off. They like to show off a little bit. 
I see a lot of that in your guys. You feel like uh, you feel like they're starting to get more confident and comfortable with what you're asking. Get, I just gotta get them taller. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you know, I look at it more as the bonding that they get with each other. That's my biggest thing. Uh, you know, one player don't win football games. A group of young men who are all on the same page wins ball games. And that was my biggest thing that we went into this offseason, trying to make sure we stress is the brotherhood, that they become a tight group that no one can separate. That regardless of whatever happens, they are a tight group. So, yeah, did we get bigger? Yes. Did we get stronger? Yes. Did we get faster? Yes. Check, check, check. My biggest thing is making sure they stay like that. And we have gotten closer. We are a lot closer than we were last year. Uh, two more questions. When when you're not there, who do you see as the guys that are leading these workouts? You can't be there watching them every day. Well, so workouts? You know, yeah, well, workouts you can watch, but right. like they're doing stuff when like you're the not seven there. on seven things. That yeah, like leadership wise, you need players that can do that. Are there guys that impress you with that? Well, you like to hope that your best players are your best grinders. That is the goal. You know, we have things I'm sure y'all have heard of, like Champions Club, things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. Like guys who make Champions Club, you want your best players to make that. The guys who play a lot of ball. Because players are going to listen to players who play a lot of ball. If he's a player who has an awful attitude and he's a little punk, then they're going to listen to the punk. I hate to say it, but that just happens. Sure. But if he's a guy who works hard, he's a leader, he's a grinder, they're going to follow him. So, like I said, the guys who've done well, so quite a few of them who've done well this summer. There's a couple guys in O-line. I think Tariq Cole's done well. I think Kyle Bowling's done a decent job. Um, a few other guys just in different positions that done well doing that this summer. And last thing, you, you mentioned the offensive line. Coach Ash told me a couple weeks ago Jonah Jackson had a great offseason. What have you seen from him? Confidence. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is as he got stronger, you know, you know, he had uh, Mr. Nelson leave and – so he saw an opportunity and tried to take advantage of it. He really did. And my biggest thing I saw to him was his confidence, getting stronger, living in the film room, watching more film, just watching when I walk by the room and he's still in there. Like, he's knocking it out as hard as he can. Like, little small things like that because you got to be – I said earlier you got to be obsessed with it. And it sounded like he was a little bit. So hopefully it stays that way. All right. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. couple of good guests this week i hope you guys enjoyed the insight into rutgers training camp and i our... thought you were introducing me all right so a not so good guest now <laughs> joining the show and that is scout national recruiting analyst brian doan brian what's going on oh it's a great time of year uh, high school football is underway got to watch rutgers commit avery young play last weekend uh this weekend i'm going to go check out another rutgers commit jared paul primus catholics playing at archbishop wood going to spend some time at some scrimmages um, before you hear this but after taping and uh you know usa costa rica is friday night all right we'll get to the soccer nonsense in the mailbag unfortunately but for now we're gonna we're gonna start out on the west coast today and then we're gonna localize things back in new jersey at the end of the news segment i don't want this to turn into bashing a kid but man this chris laviano saga has been something to watch I think when you read the words of the San Diego State head coach Oof. talking about how Laviano smartly knew the transfer rules and didn't attend class and just kind of quit on his team right before the season starts, um, it says a lot of what they thought of Chris Laviano during his time there because... Generally, 
if a kid decides to leave and it's not the best, the coach would be like, hey, we wish him well. You know, he wants to play somewhere. But, yeah, there was none of that. There was none of that. And from the standpoint of why he left, I mean, he was a third-string quarterback. So just so we all understand, he was a third-string quarterback at a Mountain West school who was a starter at a Big Ten school. So if you want to know why Rutgers struggled offensively and all the issues they had, I thought I may have said it once or 7,000 times. Again, he was a one-offer kid coming out of high school. Um, it's a it's a tough situation for him. It obviously didn't go well, and so you feel bad from that standpoint. But, you know, when you turn around and quit on teammates, that's tough. That's tough. And then you're talking about going to play lacrosse. And if I'm the lacrosse coach, whatever school he's looking at, how do I know in two weeks he's not going to turn around and quit on them? You know what it reminded me of first when I first read the Wrestling? (laughs) (laughs) No, because in wrestling you have the fans singing the na-na-na-na goodbye in the background. It reminded me of when Kyle Flood just trashed Ian Thomas when Ian Thomas left the team and started talking about playing baseball and... How he, I don't know how a kid could quit on his team like this. It reminded me a lot of that because you're right, nine times out of ten, 99 times out of 100, you wish him well and move on, even if you don't really wish the kid well. We've seen Chris Ash wish plenty of kids well that probably doesn't really care if they do well or not. I mean, he doesn't have any ill intent, but I don't think he's really upset when Hayden Reddick decided to leave the program. You just wish him well and you move on. But this one... Chris Laviano obviously did not win over a lot of people in that San Diego State office, and it was interesting to see a coach go that over the top and taking shots at him. Sure, I, I hope he finds a team in lacrosse. I hope he gets a master's degree. I hope he you know, picks up a lot of ground balls and wins a lot of face-offs this season. You've been talking a lot to yeah, me. Yeah, for, for Stony Brook or wherever he ends up. It's just an example of... I mean, we're talking about a guy that got suspended for a fake ID at Rutgers and was named the starting quarterback one half into the season because of it. If you remember, he got suspended for going out for a half like other kids did on the team, I believe. So there was really no extra penalty for the fake ID. Right. was the way I remember it. Well, I mean, I guess... guess, My thing is this. We're kind of speechless here. Well, no, it's just that... It's comical in a in a Shakespearean way. Schadenfreude. So I look at it and I say, every time you're ready to move on and be like, okay, here comes the season, and there's optimism. We talked about Kyle Bowen looking good, a lot more talent on offense. There is something from the Coach Flood era, era, era that always comes up that makes you think back to just how horrific it was. And I I texted a friend of mine this morning um, who's a booster, and and he was asking about, you know, if I saw it. And and my response was, even I didn't think the problems were going to be this deep and run. And I thought they were horrific. But it just, it's like that constant reminder that's always there. It's unbelievable how every time you're ready to take a step forward, something from that miserable regime pops up and makes you think back to just how awful it was. I'm gonna we're gonna close this portion of the news with 
a positive impression. And for me, that is the fact that while you see Washington suspending all Americans, you see all this, you know, San Diego State shenanigans, suspensions and problems all across the country. Chris Ash's program, knock on whatever that is, has stayed out of trouble this offseason. Now, of course, there's guys that are quietly punished or guys that drop on the depth chart based on internal issues. Happens everywhere. You can probably figure out who some of those guys are. But we're not announcing suspensions for partying during training camp. No one has... Anybody get married during training camp? Yeah, no DUIs, no parking lot brawls. It's been a good offseason for Rutgers in actually trying to change the culture that they've talked about. Kids are staying out of trouble. That doesn't happen. If if they don't keep him out of trouble, then we got issues because, yes, Chris Ash was brought in to build a program, but first and foremost, he was brought in to just clean up the awful mess that was left behind. And that's what he had. You know, you have to get through that. And, and they had some bumps early on in his tenure with kind of weeding some kids out. But, yeah, I mean, you change the culture and you've heard about it. The first guy you talk about always is Kamoko Ture and how he's yeah. kind of bought in now. And that's part of it. And and before you can bring in good players who know what the culture was, I mean, are we forgetting that there was a kid on the team who told a star prospect not to go to Rutgers because of the culture in the team? So before he's can, still on the team. <laughs> true. And so at the end of the day... Until, you're not going to get all the recruits you want ever, but it's going to be even harder when these recruits know what the culture is. So, yeah, give him credit for it, but that's what he was brought to do. Speaking of recruiting, Brian, we're going to transition into part two of the news here where another week, another pretty good-feeling week if you're a Rutgers football fan in recruiting because Rutgers picked up... As long as you're listening to this before Friday night. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, we'll do most of our previous stuff. Like I said in the open, the previous stuff is going to be on Scarlet Report, but I get that most of you aren't listening to this before the game. If you are listening to it during your tailgate, shoot me a tweet and come over and uh, beer me. That means you get to throw a beer at you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Austin316 says uh, Rutgers has a chance tonight against the Huskies. I guess my point is Matthew Thomas, Trayvon King both commit. They wait a couple days before they announce at different times, but both of them committed about a week and a half ago as you're listening to this. The name Matthew Thomas shouldn't be unfamiliar if you've been following our coverage, but a lot of people don't seem to know a ton about him. What I'll tell you about him is Rutgers really wanted him, and that's the main thing, is that there's all these defensive linemen that we've talked about, Kmar Mims, Marcellus Erlington, your boy Kyle Thomas from Virginia Beach. Of all these defensive ends they're recruiting, this is a guy that they wanted, they made a move on him, and he committed. It's a guy they like. That's what I care about, not the offer list. Uh, I care about both. Because I know you do. You're the rankings guy. Well, no, I, I care about the standpoint of, I mean, it's great to want somebody, but they have to be good. And he has a lot of rawness to him. He has a lot of talent. And I look at him, and I'm always, you know, whenever I watch a kid, yes, I will watch him for defensive end. That's where Rutgers want him. That's where Temple was talking to him about. And make no mistake about it, Temple had him a few weeks ago and Rutgers was able to turn that around, which I give him credit for. Without an on-campus visit. Correct. But I always look at what else can do. Can he grow into a D-tackle? In talking to some people, they don't think the frame is there. That was my question, too, is the frame there. But, you know, there's a lot of clips of him playing tight end, and, and I don't think he can play tight end in college. I really don't. 
but he can play H-back. I really think he can play H-back in the offense that they're running now, which is interesting to me, and it's something to consider. But he's a DN first, and good length, some good explosion, really raw technique-wise, you know, really likes to use his strength and speed and not much else. So he's a kid that's going to take a little bit of time, but, you know, you... You're not Ohio State, so you're not getting five and four stars. You know, you're not turning down four high four stars right. because of your class. So, you know, when when Chris Ash took the job, he talked about what did they do at, you know, Wisconsin was they got kids and developed them, and that's what you want to do with a guy like Matthew Thomas. You want to change his body a little bit, teach him some technique, and see where he is as maybe a redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore, and that's how you win at a program like Rutgers. Matthew Thomas is just the latest example of a guy like there's a reason Rutgers keeps getting these kids out of out of Brooklyn or out of non-New Jersey areas. I talked to Matthew Thomas on Monday about his commitment because of course he committed and then turned his phone off for 6 days. Well, in his defense, he did go to training camp with his school and so it kind of shut it down and I remember when they offered him and I DM'd him and he called me in about two minutes. So I always have uh, you know, thought that, that he's good to deal with. He just doesn't always understand what we want when we're trying to get in touch with him and why it's important. Fair enough. When we finally spoke on Monday, well, why'd you commit? Well, I've been talking to Coach Bush and Coach Ash every day for a year within the rules. And they have a great business school. I want to study business in college. So I'm like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. I'm sure that other schools recruiting you also have coaches that like you in a good business school like you know well are you, are you worried about if they struggle again this season are you worried about playing Ohio State and Michigan every year and he's just like wait what do you mean why, why wouldn't I want to play them every year what do you mean if they struggle that's why they're bringing me in they're bringing me in so I can play early you know you tell these guys things and if you're not maybe a jaded New Jersey recruit that's in your team's locker room here in Rutgers get trashed every weekend or play for a Jersey coach that does it. <laughs> Fair enough. Then you're going to be more excited and you're what more... A, what a fun podcast so oh, far. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's let's move on to the other part of the fun, and that was... I think I'm higher on this than you, Brian, but we'll see. The, the commitment of Trayvon King out of Camden Woodrow Wilson High School. This was a guy that I always thought Rutgers absolutely had to get. And like Matthew Thomas, not really sure what position he'll play. He kind of fit some of those same positions Thomas could play, whether it's tight end, defensive end, maybe a big outside linebacker to start. I think that Trayvon King was a guy you absolutely had to get, and Rutgers got him, and I really liked to pick up. Yeah, I like him. He's athletic. I've seen him a bunch in the spring. I can you, just hear your enthusiasm. You, you, no, you like him because you just saw him, and, and he moves well. The reason I'm not as maybe excited as you in the short term is it's going to take a few years to put that weight on him and decide what you know whether he's a d end or tight end i think right now he's a d end with the way he twitches and get up the field but you know he's a he's 200 pounds so it's going to take a little bit of time to get him on the field and i bet you right now he plays as a true freshman it doesn't mean he's ready to but he's going to be on the field <laughs> doesn't mean he's ready to but you know and and if he does play as a true freshman um that's a shame it's fair, a shame fair because he needs time to develop. But, yeah, he's got good athleticism, good length, good, like we talked about with Thomas, good position flexibility. Um, we'll see where he winds up. I, I think, like I said, tight end 
is a possibility, but he's got to put on a lot of weight. Uh, if he stays at about 230, he has athleticism to be one of those DNs that can drop back into coverage a little bit, and you can do some things with him in schemes. It's a good pickup. It's it's If you're Rutgers, you have to build your program with kids like that. And you have to remember, you, you look and you say, why did they go get so many grad transfers? Because there was nothing in the program to develop like this. This is where you're going and, and you want to see more development and things like this. And, yeah, I think it's solid. I think, you know, whether it's Matt Thomas, whether it's Trayvon King, you know, whomever, some of them will work out, some of them won't work out, but you want good kids who are going to give an honest effort, and even if it doesn't work out, their work ethic is there and it sets the tone for the future of the program. And I think that's what you're getting. Plus, look, you know, I remember a few years ago when Rutgers started recruiting Camden Wilson, which is where Edwin Lopez is from. And I never felt like the relationship was there with Coach Preston Brown, who's a great guy to deal with. I mean, I love dealing with him. Me too. He's great. Um, Just absolutely fantastic. Really looks out for his kids. But they were able to change that relationship. I I never thought Rutgers would have a chance at at Camden Wilson. Um, But Ash came in and and really turned things around, just like he turned things around with Timber Creek. Well, look at at, different school in Camden, but similar coaches and people. Look at Sean Chandler and when Rutgers tried to flip him from (laughs) Temple. (laughs) Like when he wouldn't let the coach in the house and shut the door in his face? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's how perceptions change. And you mentioned Preston. And and rightfully so with Sean Chandler, because Rutgers told him for six months they would offer and never did. Yeah, Sean Chandler made the right move, and I'm glad that he's playing well at Temple. He's... He's a really good kid. Yeah. So Preston Brown, you mentioned, is the head coach at Woodrow Wilson High School in Camden. He's ha- responsible or has worked with two members of this Rutgers 2016 recruiting class. Edwin Lopez, who you mentioned, I, I think that we'll officially be calling him Tank Lopez from yes, now on. You will. Because he's playing as a true freshman. He's probably won't see much time at corner, but he's going to be one of their main guys on special teams because he's a very solid tackler. The other guy that Preston Brown is affiliated is he, with... Is he on punt coverage? Because that'll help. Well, as we discussed, Brian, all new specialists this year, which if you want to know why last year was so bad, we've got a Minnesota grad transfer, a D3 grad transfer, a true freshman long snapper, and a true freshman kickoff guy. They changed everyone. <laughs> they needed to. They did. It was like watching you kick out there. And it still isn't good enough. Lefty. Yeah. So... Where was I? Who was I? Oh, I was talking about <laughs> Preston Brown before we got on a special teams tangent. Preston Brown is also the wide receivers coach at a thing called NLG, Next Level Greats in South Jersey. He trained Everett Wormley, who is in line for a lot of playing time as well this season. Now, some people were stunned that Jerry Kill called him the surprise of training camp. I wasn't because I watched practice where he's been a starter for three weeks. <laughs> but my point is that Preston Brown... He's just one coach, but he's gotten two guys ready to play for Chris Ash right away. Worst case, he's getting feedback from those two kids about everything Trayvon King needs to do this season so that he is ready. Yeah, and it's smart. And everything I've heard with Everett Wormley is uh, he really was unbelievable in camp. And my biggest concern was his burst coming out of breaks. He's improved it from everything I've heard. He's always been a kid who's going to catch the ball. So, And, and that goes back, I think... Um, when he committed, I remember I saw him at one of the NLG camps, and I, I put highlights up, and he caught the ball. It was just could he, you know, really tighten up his route running. 
And it sounds like he did, but yeah, it's important to get in at South Jersey because as you're starting to see this stuff now, Sam, small steps, but Rutgers is now a presence in South Jersey. It's almost like they, they're building relationships. Relationships don't matter in football. <laughs> um, so I think what you're going to find is when you're talking about the school's in New Jersey that Rutgers needs to do better with. A lot of them are in North Jersey. A lot of them are private. And you can draw your own conclusions from it. But if I feel like a lot more coaches are willing to give Rutgers a chance now with their kids. And, yeah, it's the kids that make the decision. But, I mean, I'll, give, I'll, I'll just tell this famous story. I'm not going to give away the school. But you know this story already. I was down at a school a few years back when he who should not be named was the head coach. And Greg Schiano? No. And I'm talking to one of the kids and I said, Well, who's recruiting you? And he went down his list and one of the school he got to Rutgers and he goes, And Rutgers and he goes, Oh, wait, not allowed to say the R word here. <laughs> and so things have changed since then. All right, Brian, we got a pair of questions this week from a new subscriber. Welcome to ScarletReport.com, the German dude. I checked. He is German. Guten Tag, wie geht's? Uh, Mo Lang? <laughs> Thanks for subscribing, Mo. <laughs> Big fan of Mo Lang. So he's got an on-topic and an off-topic question for us, Brian, and it starts on-topic, unfortunately, for you. Uh, the outlook on offense sounds like it's better than last season. I, I agree. Uh, any hope for a better front four defensively or should we be looking at grabbing defensive line transfers well two things on that you're not going to have room for defensive line transfers let's just start off with that the way the ncaa counts now unless Rashawn gary wants to transfer to rutgers and michigan lets him then they'll have room they'll make room for that yeah but i would not i mean the ncaa changed rules you used to be able to take a transfer and push him to the next class. So when Kyle Boland came in, you could push him to the 2018 class. If you take a kid in the spring, you can no longer push him to the 2019 class. Right. Um, so that is why all the – and those rules, by the way, took effect August 1st, which is why so many schools started practice in July this year because they needed to get in a practice <laughs> before that happened. It's why but, Trey Avery broke on July 31st. <laughs> correct, correct. So I think defensively they'll be better because the offense will be better. I think the front four will still struggle a little bit. They're not going to get pressure. I don't like their linebackers in terms of um, playing the pass game. We'll see how they are in the run game. I, I think you know the unit that scares me the most on this team are the linebackers. Yes, 100%. Um, but, and kickers. Yeah, I mean, that goes without saying. You lefty is better than some of those options. But uh, I, I look at it, I think they will be much better offensively. But, you know, it's like if you shoot 173 in golf and then you go shoot a 141. Well, yeah, you got a lot better. You're still not any good, but you got a lot better. And I'm not saying Rutgers won't be any good, but being better doesn't mean being good. I think some of the younger guys have shown a lot of progress, more progress than I thought on the defensive line. Specifically, Julius Turner is a guy that Shane Burnham himself said that they were pretty much writing him off last year. Do we make a mistake on this kid? 
but now he's already beating out kids older than him for a spot in that eight-man rotation. Coaching. Yeah, coaching, development, strength, weight room. I uh, John Baddock, he is a guy that the coaching staff is very high on compared to in the past. Same with Willington Prevalon, who they're working at defensive end. The most interesting thing to me is the way they've adjusted to their lack of proven yes <laughs> lack of talent at the position is that they're saying all right fine we won't have your traditional two defensive ends and nose guard and a three tech they're playing Kevin Wilkins and Willington Prevalon at defensive end they're standing up Kamoko Ture, Elam Lumore, CJ Onyechi and then you've got space eaters inside so at least they're trying something new I, I do think to answer your question German dude I think it'll be better but that doesn't mean I think it will be good off topic, and this is specifically for Brian Doan. So you're answering first. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll be happy to answer this question. The question is, what do you think about the recent soccer transfers in Europe with Neymar and Dembele? Dembele. <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. Take a pop at this. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what. I think that I think that Neymar is going to have a big impact in his new uh, team. I think that the kit... What team's he on, Sam? I think that he's going to have a great-looking kit when he takes the field. Okay, he's already playing for the team. Right, and I I, pre, I think he's got a good kit. Um, I, I think that he needs to work a little bit on his corners and his strikes, but that you know that can change. And then I would say that I think that all we need to finish that off is to bring Freddie Adu in. Well, a couple of things. You you like him at Borussia Dortmund? That sounds like a trick question. <laughs> he's at Paris Saint-Germain. Of um, course. Now, he doesn't really take corners much and stuff like that. Yeah, but, but that's why he needs to get better. Yeah, good point. Good <laughs> All right, point. go ahead. I'll I stop. definitely want the goal scorer who's really talented around the net taking the corner instead of being in front. Good call. Um, did you coach Rutgers a few years ago in football? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I coached the soccer team that went 1-20. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, I don't know what's going to happen in the next, uh, you know, by the time this thing, as the kids say, drop, especially with Coutinho still dealing with Barcelona. Um, that really bothers me. I, I'm all for player transfers and everything. I, I think it's the free agency market because the player has such a limited window of when he can really cash in. But when you sign a five-year deal and in it there's no transfer buyout clause, um, and for those that don't know, in soccer, every six months there's global free agency in the sense that almost everybody has a – you don't trade players, you buy players. And so for Neymar, there was a clause, I think it was 225 million pounds, that triggered that if they're willing to pay Barcelona – they can get them. Um, but, you know, Paris Saint-Germain has has tried like anything to get in Champions League and has not been able to win. And so they want to because the only way they're going to become a world brand like Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Liverpool, um, West Ham, no, um, is if they're going to win Champions League and really get on the radar. <clears throat> but for me, I'm excited because... My Reds just picked up a big one. And this is how crazy... If you haven't tuned out yet, you'll love this part. Okay, I'll tune back in. Soccer transfer period, they call it, it's basically free agency, is so crazy that Liverpool just agreed to sign a midfielder. They signed him. It's a done deal. They signed him. Uh, He joins the club next July. So he's going to finish playing his season with Red Bull Leipzig in Europe. And then... Join Liverpool after that. Um, and it's a move he wanted to make, which I think is huge. And I think the last thing on transfers is 
losing Coutinho is bad for Liverpool if it does happen because a club like Liverpool should always be a buyer, not a seller. Um, although I understand the South American draw to Barcelona, but it's good to see Liverpool going out and making some big signings. You know, Sam, you'll never walk alone. And Friday night, 6.30, up at Red Bull Arena, U.S. Costa Rica, World Cup qualifying. If I'm in a good mood after the Rutgers game on Friday, you can bet it has everything to do with the U.S. taking down the Costa Ricans and making that step a lot closer to Russia 2018 for the World Cup, which I know, Sam, you were excited about and have talked about maybe going over to Russia and be a special correspondent for Scarlet Report just for the World Cup. German, dude, that, that five minutes, that is all your fault, man. I don't know what to say. And I'm sure that fans appreciate you plugging an event that is going against the Rutgers game on Friday. Whether this is a part of your pregame tailgate for Washington or a part of your postgame postmortem or hopefully postgame celebration, we'll see how this one goes. I think everyone knows that I'm picking Washington to win that one. But I've been wrong before, and feel free to make fun of me. That's what I always say. I hope everyone enjoyed episode 63 of the Rutgers Scout Cast. So Brian and I touched on suspension stuff for Washington during our news discussion. That recording took place before Rutgers went public with Juwan Harris and his one-game suspension, but hopefully people knew that that's kind of what we were alluding to. Sometimes you announce that stuff. Sometimes you play it close to the vest. Rutgers and Chris Ash have not always announced their suspensions, but they decided to go public with Juwan Harris, who will be back full go, fully cleared after the game. As far as his role on the offense, that's up to Juwan Harris, and if he can beat out a good crop of young, new, hungry wide receivers, I'm sure wide receivers will be in the discussion next week, and hopefully we'll get Brian Doan back and another fun guest for you for episode 74, but until then... I am your host, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the season. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.